In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I call your attention to Psalm 106, verses 43 to 45. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. This is our text. We've just prayed together one of the longer psalms, Psalm 106. It narrates the story of the Exodus, Israel's leaving Egypt, and their wandering in the wilderness. It tells these events with a penitential tone, with an eye to all of Israel's sins, and the many times God forgave them for the sake of his covenant. The psalmist does this so that we may learn from their mistakes, both that we are prone to evil even when God's blessing and guidance are so obvious, and that God receives us when we cry to him in repentance. I recall in middle school a tour of the shop class given by my teacher. At each machine he carefully pointed out the cutting, gouging, snagging, moving, sparking, dangerous parts. After each warning he concluded with an account of a student who failed to heed that warning and ended up, in the words of my shop teacher, almost losing a finger and bleeding on the floor. I shall not be as macabre as this, but we will take a brief tour of the lessons and warnings displayed in Psalm 106. The first lesson we can learn from the psalm is that life has direction. As it states in verse 3, Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. This means that the way of righteousness is the way of blessing. To depart from the one is to depart from the other. So often we desire blessing and yet we pursue some other path. It costs us in ways that we do not anticipate. It is well to remember that the way of blessing is the way of righteousness. A second lesson is that we live life in groups, in bonds with others. Therefore, the psalm says, Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. Salvation is not primarily a matter between me and God. Other people are involved. This is why Christians pray for one another and for others. Did you ever look at the ceiling of this church? What does it look like? It looks like the hull of a boat. That's why the church hall is called the nave, after the word navy. It reminds us that like all of Noah's family, we are all in the same boat. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. God desires to save us in groups. This is why Christians are concerned for works of mercy, to benefit and bless others for whom Christ gave his life. This is why Christians pray for one another and for others. And just as our salvation is in one sense corporate, much of our sin is corporate. As it says in the psalm, both we and our fathers have sinned. We did not consider your wondrous works. Now some sin is in contrast to the world around us. And the world sees that we are punished for it. But others of our sins are encouraged by the world around us. It is shared sin, accepted, almost unconscious, and it's often fiercely defended sin in our world. And this sin comes to us through the neglect of God's dealings with previous generations. From them we may see how dangerous lustful thoughts are or how damaging it is to use God's name casually in curses or in jokes. Our culture will blind you to this. But to look at God's word and the experience of God's people to look at previous generations of Christians and how they understood these issues is to gain a truer perspective on what is sin and what is contrary to righteousness. Verse 10 of the psalm says this, So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. You see, if we are prone to forget the seriousness of sin, we are just as likely to forget the power of God to save. The same thought is expressed in Psalm 52. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. That's why we've gathered today, is it not? We know that we have been delivered from sin, death, and the devil by our Savior, and we have gathered to glorify the God who saves. And Joel chapter 3 expresses it in this way. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So what happens to us, to God's people? Well, we forget we become distracted by our own sinful desires. It says in the psalm, But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. But they had a wanton craving in the wilderness. What was that wanton craving? Well, if you read Exodus, you find out they had a craving for meat. They got tired of the manna that God sent them every morning. And they wanted something different doesn't sound so wicked to us to want some meat in addition to bread. And yet, their discontent with God's blessings led them to desire that if its object wasn't wicked, its motivation certainly was. For those who are not actively pursuing God's work in their lives are in danger 
of being overtaken by sinful desires. If we do not engage in the danger and sacrifice of carrying the cross and following Jesus, we will find sin to distract and entertain us. Like bored children who don't have enough work at, at school to keep them busy and they stir up trouble. So we, the people of God, need to keep ourselves occupied in good works. Our professional and family responsibilities, our civic duties, our charitable works, and above all, our devotion to God's word, lest we be led by boredom into shame and vice. Even the great King David, who did not go to war in the spring like kings are supposed to do, stayed behind in Jerusalem and fell into grievous sin and adultery because he did not attend to business. And even in our very fellowship, sin rears its ugly head. It says in our Psalm, verse 16, when men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed up Dathan. Fire also broke out in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. Moses' congregation, like many a Christian congregation since, has suffered reverses and losses, sin and rebellion. You and I are prone to sin even in this holy fellowship. We may experience envy of others or jealousy. We may want to take others down a notch. We may feel resentment or having been passed over. Yes, these same temptations are present. The church is not of the world, but we who live in the world, the world follows us in. It sticks to our flesh and it can find expression even among the assembly of the people of God. The survival of God's people is a tribute to the grace of God and not the goodness of we who have been called by that grace. But note that God does not treat us as our repeated sins deserve. It says in verse 21, They forgot God their Savior who had done great things in Egypt. Therefore he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Israel was saved from destruction by Moses' intercession, the messenger of the Old Covenant. And this foreshadowed the even greater, more inclusive covenant established by Christ. He offered the sacrifice on our behalf of his own blood. He himself is a greater intercessor than Moses, as a son is greater than a servant. Even when we forget our God, he remembers us, so that we might not be destroyed, so that we might be redeemed. The reverses, disappointments, and even pains of life remind us not that God hates and judges, but that he calls us to better things, to patience under grace, 
until we reach our promised land, our land of rest, our intended destination of blessing. Now there are many more stops that could be made on our tour of the Exodus and its aftermath as related in Psalm 106. But time is limited and we have covered the main points. If you can recall nothing of this lengthy psalm, remember these words of verses 43 to 45 with which we began and which we may apply to ourselves. Many times he delivered us, but we were rebellious in purpose and brought low through iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon our distress when he heard our cry. For our sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. This love and deliverance are given in Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of Christ that surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds in this true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.